In this chapter of God's Word, we have Israel's just and holy war against the criminal indolence or laziness of the tribe of Benjamin with its effects. But we will also note that in this chapter, the men of Israel do what is pleasing in their own eyes, what is right in their own eyes, rather than pursue God's ways. Hear now the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word given for our prophet Judges chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpah. And the chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to Mizpah. Then said the children of Israel, tell us, how was this wickedness? And the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came into Gibeah that belongeth to Benjamin, I and my concubine, to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and beset the house round about upon me by night and thought to have slain me and my concubine have they forced that she is dead. And I took my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, Ye are all the children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. And all the people arose as one man, saying, We will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us turn into his house. But now this shall be the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it. And we will take ten men of an hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel and an hundred of a thousand and a thousand of ten thousand to fetch victual for the people that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city knit together as one man and the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now, therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed Every one could sling stones at an hairbreadth and not miss. And the men of Israel, beside Benjamin, 
were numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. All these were men of war. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day 20 and 2,000 men. And the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again 18,000 men. All these drew the sword. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. And Israel set liars in wait round about Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gibeah, as at other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite of the people and kill, as at other times, in the highways of which one goeth up to the house of God, and the other to Gibeah in the field, about thirty men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are smitten down before us as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them from the city unto the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and put themselves in array at Baal Tamar, And the liars in wait of Israel came forth out of their places, even out of the meadows of Gibeah. And there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all Israel, and the battle was sore. But they knew not that evil was near them. And the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel. And the children of Israel destroyed of the Benjamites that day twenty and five thousand and an hundred men, 
All these drew the sword. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were smitten. For the men of Israel gave place to the Benjamites, because they trusted unto the liars in wait, which they had set beside Gibeah. And the liars in wait hasted and rushed upon Gibeah, and the liars in wait drew themselves along and smote all the city with the edge of the sword. Now there was an appointed sign between the men of Israel and the liars in wait, that they should make a great flame with smoke rise up out of the city. And when the men of Israel retired in the battle, Benjamin began to smite and kill of the men of Israel about 30 persons, for they said, Surely they are smitten down before us, as in the first battle. And when the flame began to arise up out of the city with a pillar of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and behold, the flame of the city ascended up to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned again, the men of Benjamin were amazed, for they saw that evil was come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel unto the way of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, and they which came out of the cities they destroyed in the midst of them. Thus they enclosed the Benjamites round about and chased them and trod them down with ease over against Gibeah toward the sun rising. And there fell of Benjamin 18,000 men. All these were men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness unto the rock of Rimon. And they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men and pursued hard after them unto Gedam and slew 2,000 men of them, so that all which fell that day of Benjamin were 20 and 5,000 men that drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness unto the rock Rimon, and abode in the rock Rimon four months. And the men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin, and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well the men of every city, as the beast, and all that came to hand. Also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from the book of Judges, chapter 20. What a sad history of Israel. What a sad tale of a war among brethren. Verses 1 through 11 of this chapter, we have the Levites' cause being heard, a general convention of the tribes, and a unanimous resolution to avenge the quarrel of the Levite upon the men of Gibeah. It says that all the children of Israel went out. This is very important. Often the Bible gives us general terms, and then you'll see in the context or in some other part of scripture, a particularization. Well, what exactly does all mean? Well, here it means all except one. The tribe of Benjamin was absent. We find this out in verse 3. They heard of the gathering. They weren't at it. So you'll notice the Bible often does this. Generals that are particularized in some way or some fashion. The congregation was gathered together as one man. They had one consent, one soul, one concerted action. They were knit together, it says. So they are of one mind and of one set of actions. 
From Dan even to Beersheba, the northmost was Dan. So we see here that they've already settled Laish, which we read about in prior chapters. Beersheba being the southmost. So Dan to the north, Beersheba to the south, the entire nation, including Gilead east of Jordan, they all came together to consider this matter. They came to the place Mizpah. Now we've seen in Judges 10 and 11, Jephthah gathered the people at Mizpah. We'll also see that Samuel would gather the people at Mizpah to cause the kingdom to be established in the hands of Saul. So somehow this was a place where they met for prayer or for political deliberations. It says that the chiefs of all the people were there. Literally, this Hebrew word means the corners of the people. If you've ever heard of the Swiss cantons, that's the idea of the corner or the chief strength of a building is at its corners. You have cornerstones, right? That's where everything is held together. So the rulers, the corners, the, you might say, the cantons of the people. They presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew sword. So you have both those who were rulers or cantons, and you have those who were ruled, the footmen, the soldiers, all are gathered together as one man. The children of Israel here, or excuse me, Benjamin here of this assembly. And they said, the children of Israel did to the Levite, tell us how was this wickedness? So they're going to proceed to judgment, but they're not going to do it without facts. This is actually commendable. You should find out before you make a judgment, well, what actually happened? What what occurred? What are the facts of this case? And of course, you would have had the servant of the Levite to corroborate whatever witness he had given, possibly even the man who was sojourning there in Gibeah. He may have been present. We don't know all the facts of the case. The chief speaker, though, is the Levite himself. The Levite then relates the events and asks for judgment in verses 4 through 7. He tells of the men of Gibeah, rising up in verse 5, besetting the house round about upon me by night, and thought to have slain me. Now remember, they would have killed him if he didn't give them a woman, but they actually wanted to abuse him, and they would have killed him by abusing him, by sodomizing him. Then we have in verses 8 through 11, preparations made for war in a slightly impious way. They were unified in a just and holy war, but you'll notice... They're so confident of victory, they don't ask whether they should go. They don't ask whether they're going to win. It's just a matter of, Lord, just tell us who goes first, you see. So they're presumptuous in a way. Now the Benjamites in 12 through 17, they appear to defend these criminals in Gibeah. This is a good request in verse 13. Very discreet. Deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. Now, let us take stock of what's happened thus far in Israel's history. They've come into the land. They've mostly inherited what God gave them. They had the law of Moses. They had the Ten Commandments. They had the judicial sanctions. They had the worship of God. We just read about Dan taking an idol and building a city in Laish where they destroyed the inhabitants, took their city and set up their idols. Now, let me ask you a question. What did the estates of Israel do about that? What did they do about public, 
open idolatry with one full tribe of theirs? Did they gather in a state of conventions and say, hey, everybody, come together. We need to stop this idolatry. No, they didn't. Is it good to avenge this wickedness done on the concubine? Yes, of course it is. Should they have done this? Yes. Should this have been the first time they get together to crush an evil that's publicly practiced? Of course not. And I note this. Men are generally more zealous for human right than divine. This is us and everybody else in our fallen state. Our zeal burns hot for my rights. What about God's? Eh, no big deal. You know, it's, it's not that important. Let's not get worked up over that. But you take away my rights. Boy, I'm going to get upset. This is why our Lord says, seek ye first what? Your own rights, your own interest, your own stuff. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what? Then all these other things will be added unto you. Is that what Israel is doing? No. Seek ye first your own kingdom. Seek ye first your rights. Seek ye first your property, your protection, your chastity. Let us learn to seek the kingdom and righteousness of God first. Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren. Matthew Poole comments on verse 13 partly from their pride of their hearts, which made them scorn to submit to their brethren, or to suffer them to meddle in their territory, partly from the conceit of their own valor and military skill, and partly from God's just judgment. Oh, you're going to mess with our business, are you? No, you're not. That's what they say. We're not going to turn them over to you. They don't say they're innocent, by the way. They don't offer any defense. Well, they didn't do what you're accusing them of. All they say is, no, we're not doing that. We're not submitting to you. Benjamin had 26,000 men that drew the sword against 400,000. Do you see how mad that is? How crazy that is? You have 26,000 against 400,000. You think you're going to win? Well, apparently so. <laughs> yes, they do. As a matter of fact. They do not count the cost. They do not sue for peace. They are vain and inflated with the notion of their own greatness. Sin. There's sin enough to go around on all sides, isn't there, in these passages? All over the place. Israel then is initially defeated. They humble themselves before God. And they eventually obtain the victory over the lawless tribe of Benjamin, though themselves are also lawless, verses 18 through 48. Verse 18, they asked counsel of God and said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Israel? Again, or against Benjamin. Again, they don't say, should we go up? And if we go up, will we have the victory? You see, that's the posture of a humbled person. Are they in that posture? Well, look, we're in the right. Benjamin's in the wrong. We have lots of people. You think you can defeat us? It's just a matter, God, just tell us who goes first, you see? Presumptuous. 
They're presumptuous. They don't want to know the fate of the war, whether or not they should go. And do you know what the Lord does? He says, be it done unto you according to your faith. How is their faith shown? By their prayers. Are they praying in a humble posture? No. God, bless the things that I've already decided I'm going to do. That's how we pray. So we can spend it on our own lust. I know I'm going to win this war. Lord, just show me how I'm going to win it, please. That's not the right attitude. That's not the right posture. They were confident of success, Poole says, because of their great numbers and their righteous cause. Now notice, God only answers their request. Which shall go up first? Well, Judah shall go up first. Does he say what's going to happen to Judah? Does he say what's going to, they're going to be mowed down to the ground, 22,000 of them? He tells them, no such thing. Why? They didn't ask. They weren't humble before the Lord. So God answered exactly as they asked. Answered prayer is no mark of God's approval, by the way. Wicked people have God answer their prayers all the time. When Israel was in the wilderness, you know what they asked God for? Flesh. You know what he gave them? Quail. Do you know how he gave it to them? In his wrath, we are told. Yeah, Judah go up first and get mowed to the ground. Israel prepares for battle in verses 19 and 20 and are destroyed down to the ground in verse 21, like dung or mulch. That's what that means. When you have something laying all over the ground, what is it? You're dunging your fields. You're putting mulch on the ground. They're like mulch, destroyed entirely and completely. I note then that all the means at man's disposal are worthless without the blessing of God. You have 400,000 men. You have God to whom you can inquire. You have a righteous cause on your side and you can't win. Why? Well, because God's not blessing you. That's obvious. Victory is in the hands of God, not with many or few. He can save however he wants. <clears throat> then, verse 23, they ask counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle? They do mourn in this case. They weep before the Lord. Perhaps for their sins, perhaps for their loss. It doesn't say exactly. But notice, what did they leave out? They ask, will we go up? Is it something we should do? Do they ask, will we win? <laughs> they don't ask if they're going to win. Shall I go up again? Well, sure, go up. I'll judge you again. But they don't ask that. They're not humbled yet. They leave out and God answers according to their prayers. They still seem confident in their victory. It's just a matter of you know, should we try this again? Is this, can we do this again? Well, it happens again. 18,000 men, their self-confidence, even in a righteous cause, chastises them. Then notice verse 26. We're getting somewhere. God is working with them. He's causing them to grow by chastening them. They wept and they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Oh God, forgive us, they're saying. Cleanse us by the blood of the Lamb. 
They humble themselves with weeping, with fasting, with worship. That's the right posture. That's not where they were at the beginning, is it? This is how our Christian life is, isn't it? I've got this. I can do it. No, you can't. God takes away the victory, gives you a taste of defeat, and then again until finally we say, Lord, I can't do this. Now the power of God is at work. God's power made perfect in our weakness. Now they have the proper frame of spirit. Let us learn, as God says again and again in his word, let us learn to humble ourselves that we might be exalted. For if we exalt ourselves, we'll be cast down to the ground. They've already lost more than Benjamin had in total. Benjamin had 26,000. They lost 22,000 the first day, 18,000 the second. That's a total of 40,000 men dead. 10%, we say decimated. That means 10% taken away. Israel has been decimated under God's judgment. Now Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before the Ark of the Testament in those days. Now, this is just after they came into the land. Phinehas, he took from his father Eleazar, who took from Aaron. This is not long after Joshua's death. The events here are what we call the back story. What happened before all these judges came along? How did we get to this place? Here you are. Here's how you got to that place. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. Now notice verse 28, the Lord says, go up. For tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. Here is a specific answer to a specific request to a people humbled for their sins and ready to ask God the right requests. You see, when we're prideful, we don't know how we ought to pray as God has commanded us. When we humble ourselves, we're ready to realize, wow, I can't even win with 400,000 men against 26,000. Are you serious? They finally realize that. God says, it is done to you according to your faith. You have humbled yourself. Tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. So Israel set liars in wait round about Gibeah. This is extremely important. If you are assured of victory, should you not use means to accomplish the victory? This is what God teaches us in his word. We are assured of the victory but we must use means. Remember Peter said that God has chosen us to eternal salvation, and yet he says, work out the assurance of your election, the assurance of your calling. How? By giving diligence to add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to knowledge brotherly love, so on and so forth. There are means of preservation. Has God not made a promise to preserve us? Yes. But the perseverance of the saints is he also has ordained the means to that end. And so they use means. God has assured them of the victory, and yet they're wise. They draw away the inhabitants of Gibeah, preying upon their enemy's weakness, which is what you always do in war. What was the weakness of Benjamin? <laughs> Two days in a row. These guys are toast. We just mow them down to the ground like mulch, and it's going to be the same today. That's what they think. 
And that's what they say to themselves. They get their 30. As Israel runs away, that's all they get for the day, isn't it? Their pride lifts them up. So they're drawn away. Our sin, though, it will find us out. We may rest assured. We may hide it from men, but you can't hide it from God. God knows the pride of their heart. God knows their boasting. Let us learn to repent early and often, to confess and forsake our sins, lest evil be upon us and we do not know it. That's what happened to them. Evil was right there and they did not know it. They were about to be destroyed in the very moment they thought everything was going great. Verses 31 through 44, this stratagem is blessed by God. The Lord gave Israel a signal victory. And Israel trod down Benjamin with a crushing, humiliating, surprise defeat. So pride goes before a fall, that is Benjamin in this case. And notice, those who humble themselves shall be exalted, as in the case of Israel on this day. Would you be spared total destruction? Then let us learn to humble ourselves before the Lord, before his word, before his uh, appointed superiors over us, before God's chastening hand. That's how we're spared total destruction. We have to humble ourselves. We have to go down. You know, the Benjamites could have said, you know, you're right. We've heard the facts of the case. We saw the remnants of this woman. They were sent to the Benjamites as well, by the way. It was 12 pieces sent to all the tribes. Benjamin saw it. They knew what had happened. What could they have done differently, shall we say? Humbled themselves. Brethren, you are right. We'll turn the men over. Let us go hold a trial. We'll hear the facts of the case and we'll deliver them over to you for judgment. Could they have done that? Of course they could have. How easy would it have been done if they had just done what they should have done by humbling themselves? And the Israelites, had they first inquired of God, we don't deserve the victory, God. We are in the right, but we know that victory is from the Lord, and we know that even a just cause must be pursued in a just way, so we will humble ourselves. Did they do that? They could have spared themselves 40,030 men. But they didn't. And verse 46 tells us, All which fell that day of Benjamin were twenty and five thousand men that drew the sword. This is a plague. More than a decimation of one tribe and a whole decimation of the entire people of Israel plus more. Now we should note, did this punishment fit the crime? Israel had already killed 18,000, I think. Then they started chasing them down the road. Then they found them in their hiding spot and killed five on the road and 2,000 more at their hiding spot. Why? Is, is this how you ought to treat your brethren? Haven't you already defeated them when you burn their city and they realize there's no hope and they start running away? Couldn't you have stopped at that point and said, listen now, deliver us the men? Did they? No. Their blood was up. Time to get them. It's time to wipe them out. Oh, look, 
There are their defenseless cities. All their men have come out of those cities. Let's go burn those cities with fire. Whatever comes to our hand, let's destroy it. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. God requires, if we are to avenge his quarrel, that we must do so in his way, not in ours. Men of every city were slain, as well the beasts of the field. You know what God said when you go to war with your enemies to Israel? You can't even cut down the fruit trees. You can't cut down the nut trees. Why? What comes from fruit trees? The life of man does. Man's sustaining his body comes from those trees, so don't cut them down. Find a tree over there that doesn't bear nuts or fruit. You use that in your battlements, he said. Is that what they're doing? Let's kill all their animals. Let's burn their cities with fire. Their blood was up. They lawlessly overcorrect. They do what is right in their own eyes. What would a godly king do in such a case? Hold on. That's a whole tribe of God's people. I'm going to need them someday. This is the people of God's inheritance. Pull back the reins. They've shown us the back. They're running away. Let's negotiate peace. Let's get the sons of Belial. Let's execute them and leave everybody else alone. That's what they needed. But there was no king in Israel. There was no one to say, God forbids this kind of war. You can't do this. You can't go total warfare. You can't burn from all the way from Atlanta to the sea. You can't do that. But they did. Every city, everywhere in Benjamin, even the beasts were not spared. Couldn't you just save them for yourself? Couldn't you take them off? Put them in your paddocks? No, we have to kill them. They do not correct in due measure and proportion. The punishment does not fit the crime. They do what is right in their own eyes. And so we learn that even in a just cause, men may do much evil. And thus far the exposition of Judges 20.